Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Notable. Timber Festival, uh, because it seemed like a fitting way to end the series slash season. Uh, so I'm going to leave you in the uh, very capable hands of the magnificent Elizabeth Alka, Stuart McCorney. I can smell hops. Is someone brewing beer? Get a really strong smell of hops. Oh, what are these things behind the herbs, I think. Oh, maybe it's a little okay. herb garden. You know, like when you used to get off at Manchester Victoria and the smell of the Bonington's Brewery would hit you. It's like that. Ah. Anyway, um, notable, mm-hmm. we're interested in all kinds of music, aren't we? We are. Mm-hmm. And notable, and like kind of social history and stuff like that. So notable is a bit of fun, really. It's a labour of love that's become a, a podcast thing where we... we we talk about interesting musical stories from any genre of music, any era. What sort of things have we talked about in the two seasons thus far? We've talked about the development of the theremin. We have. Uh, Russian spy Russian turned spy. theremin engineer. Uh, we've talked about a medieval murderous madrigal composer. We have, could you as well. Don't we talked about yeah. the copper who used to knit... It's a fun night out with us. It is. <laughs> the, uh, the copper Norman Pilcher who used to arrest drug addled 60s pop stars and became immortalised as Semolina Pilchard and I Am The Walrus. Yeah, um, Elvis and his one appearance on UK shores. Elvis is one time in the UK. Yeah. Anything that's so, a little bit quirky. Yeah. And so um, we are going to, we're going to call it a, a halt for the summer because Elizabeth spends the summer in Monte Carlo, <laughs> whereas I help out with underprivileged kiddies <laughs> in the Wigan area all summer. Um, so we're going to finish with this. We're going to re- record a little chat we're going to have now. Um, before I get my flight, yeah, yeah. Before yes, before before Elizabeth goes to Swaddling Cut International Airport <laughs> for a flight to Monte Carlo, Monica. Um, and we're going to talk. This will be the last one of this series. And if you don't yeah. know it, this the sixteen. Is it sixteen? Yeah, we've done? we've done about sixteen. We've done about sixteen. Is Jeff keeping count. We've done more. How many? Eighteen. Eighteen, says episodes. producer Jeff. Gosh, we've been working so hard. I know. So, we? and it's and we've made. About 25 quid. Yeah. Um, we, we haven't made that much. People keep telling me. <laughs> Beer money. Yeah. No, but that's not... We, we, uh, we think we're in we're it for the long it. haul, but we're going to take a summer break. Yeah. And we thought while we were here, two fitting subjects just to chat loosely about for 40 minutes or so. Show. Yeah. So, uh, we're going to talk about the history of music festivals or music in public gatherings. And then... A bit about the Voyager Golden Record, which I don't know if you know about, which even now is on board Voyager, a 12-inch single, making its way through the galaxy to t- tell other human, be- to other human beings, to tell alien life, should it find it, 
what human about culture us. and society and history was all about. We'll come back yeah. to that in a minute. Yeah, so um, you said 40 minutes, but actually I'm starting by going to the 7th century BC. So wow. I don't know how long like we've this. actually come got. With us now. <laughs> no, I'm going to rattle through the next, I don't know, well, the last 10 thousand years okay um so the pan-hellenic games this is the first or the earliest kind of recorded example of music at big festivals or public events um the olympics are part of the pan-hellenic games you may know they were a four-year cycle of games of sports athletic competition um and the greeks marked time by the games so the olympics kicked it off it was a four-year cycle and then in the third year were the Python games, and these were each of the games was kind of dedicated to an ancient Greek god. Uh, the Python games were dedicated to Apollo, who yeah. was the god of archery, poetry, dance, healing, light, there you go. Uh, and music. Portfolio career, yeah, good old Apollo had. Um, and so, because he was the god of music, the games would have like lots of kind of festival, fest, you know, festivities that involved music and dance and that sort of thing. There was a vine um, procession, so people would bring vines into Athens, um, and it was all very nice and musical. Uh, abolished in AD 393 abolished. by uh, the Roman emperor at the time, because of course it was um, heathen, because it, they were all kind of celebrations of the gods. So that's kind of the earliest example of it. Um, I've been tracing this back. The, the word festival actually means religious holiday. The yeah. Latin is festa. Uh, it's where we get the, the word feast from yeah. and fates as well, village fates. So it's kind of impossible to trace the full history of, of festivals. But um, I was looking at kind of where the roots of a lot of the festival traditions that we have in the modern contemporary pop festival as we know it today, where they lie. And actually, a big influence on the way we do festivals now is from Nordic countries and during the Middle Ages. So lots of pagan rituals around the solstice, which is why we have that sort of uh, vibe in our festivals uh, today. So obviously the solstice, a big thing in Nordic countries because they get up to like 21 hours of daylight. Yeah. Uh, we've been to Iceland, haven't we? Oh, it was the opposite there when we were there. No, we, were, we, we, were we there brilliantly was... went to Iceland in the middle of the winter where it's, it's a light for 20, 20 minutes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it came light at 11 o'clock in the morning, didn't yeah, it? Yeah. It was dark again about lunch after dinner. Yeah, yeah it so, came yeah. us like an hour to skid around in our dot Martin. That's right, yeah, Go yeah, back to the yeah. pub. So yeah, so lots of uh, kind of solstice traditions in Nordic countries around that, that time, the 23rd of June. And a lot of the kind of hallmarks of those festivities we still see in festivals today. So in Sweden... Uh, it's a big thing. This was like a time when um, young girls would go and try and meet their husband. So flower wreath wearing became a big thing in Sweden at that time, uh, which we still see today. Uh, Looking around now to see if anyone's come. There were some flashing yeah. fa flower wreaths, which are amazing. I was yeah. hoping they might be here, but last night I saw some that actually lit up. They were incredible. Well, they still are very much festival wear then, aren't they? They are, yeah, yeah. as is trapping off. Uh, wow. This, like the girls in Sweden were at the time. So, you know, still... Uh, Trapping <laughs> off. A te technical term there, Jeff. You'll have to put a glossary in yeah, for this podcast. So, yeah, in Sweden, this was a big thing. The girls would kind of dress up. There was maypole dancing. Uh, apparently, if they put seven flowers under their pillows, then on, the, on Midsummer Night's Eve, so the 23rd of June, they would dream of their husband. And uh, that was the kind of... That was the myth. It doesn't work. <laughs> um... <laughs> In Norway, bonfires were traditional, as yeah. we, we still see that now. Over here, we just kind of blew it wide open because we didn't have that kind of um, 
I guess, uh, you know, the divinities that they had in ancient Greece and in, uh, you know, Norse mythology. Yeah. So we had fairies and unicorns and dragons and things like that. And we still see that in the British festival tradu- uh, mm. tradition. There are echoes of that, aren't there? Yeah. I've seen unicorns at Glastonbury yeah. alone. <laughs> <laughs> Around the stone circle. Yeah, you know, just you know generally. Just generally in the chip van queue <laughs> everywhere, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure there are people who've been to Glastonbury and think they've seen a unicorn. Exactly. Um, in Russia, uh, skinny dipping was a big thing. Fertility was a, a big thing with a lot of these kind of Nordic uh, rituals. Just to step away from Europe for, for a second, uh, in the 19th century, the Rio Carnival is a really kind of quite early example. Has that like, been going that long? It's right. been going since the end of the 19th century, yeah. Right. And it started, it's a really beautiful story, actually, of these fusions of, of different styles of music that were in Rio at that time. So... Um, African and Caribbean drumming and then Portuguese uh, traditional music as well and the different uh, areas in the city would have pageants that would march and then together they would kind of create this, these fusions of, of music which were you know the drumming and the and the kind of more Portuguese traditional music so that's how that grew and then eventually they, there were samba competitions mm. and samba schools and now it's like a, an established thing that's still that's still running uh, in India there's the festival Holi which um, has really kind of resonated. It resonated with the British when the British were in India. Uh, it's actually a celebration of the divine love of Radha Krishna, the triumph of good over evil. And that's been, uh, it's, well, it's been around since uh, the 4th century right. BC. Uh, and that takes place in March. But I think, really, um, today's festivals as we know them, they hark back to those pagan kind of Nordic yeah. Yeah. Uh, culture. So... Um, I guess that makes sense. They started mostly in the 60s. Uh, the counterculture at the time as it was gathering traction. Um, it was, you know, it was kind of dissident. And I guess that the pagan rituals played into that, escaping to the countryside, all that kind of thing. And we see this kind of new festival uh, culture emerging in the 60s. Actually, in America, it started a little bit earlier. Because you've got the Newport uh, say, Jazz the, the Newport ones, are the, there's, a, there's a jazz... 1954, and, that starts. That's the Newport Jazz Festival. Yeah, 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 1954. And Which makes sense, because the, the phenomenon of the teenager was in the States at that time, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. And then the Newport Folk Festival is famously where, and we've done a whole podcast about this, where Bob Dylan yeah. plugs in his guitar, and Pete Seeger goes nuts, doesn't he, and tries to chop yeah. the leads <laughs> up with an axe. <laughs> When Dylan goes electric at the Newport Folk Festival in 64, is yeah, it, I think? Uh, I think it's 64, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Billie Holiday played at the Newport uh, Jazz Festival in... It's Rhode Island that it takes right. place, still happens there. She played there in the 50s. Um, so, yeah, inspired by that, we started getting these festivals over here. So, actually, the National Jazz and Blues Festival started in... Uh, it was uh, Richmond. It was 1961, and that would later become the Reading Festival. That's right, Yeah. Uh, so that's kind of the earliest reco- earliest festival that we have, like modern kind of pop festival. If that we you have. look up, it just shows how US centric a lot of the history of pop culture is. Because if you look up online, if you Google for first pop festival, modern pop festival, it nearly always says Monterey Pop, 1967, Otis Redding, just before, well, a few years before uh, Woodstock. And, and never mentioned 61, yeah, yeah, the Redding yeah. Festival Redding began. Festival. Now, an occasion where people can, having done their A levels, go and set fire to each other's tents. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> push the toilets over push the toilets over so, and set fire to tents it's a rite of passage now yeah, isn't it it is yeah while watching I don't know who would it be now 
I'm too old for this. I'm trying, I know. I'm trying to think who it would be right now. I'm, I'm, I'm worried about giving any uh, reference because yeah, it know. immediately shows how out of touch I am, and I'm sacked. <laughs> you know. So yeah. I think Metallica played Leeds recently, didn't they? It's a big rock. It's become a big rock festival, hasn't it? It was blues and jazz, wasn't yeah, it initially? Yeah, but no, it really is kind of rocky and and sort of and teenage. It's it is, very yeah, teenage yeah. now, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. yeah. Um, it was one pound to get in in 1961. Was it? And Chris Barber performed, who's also popped up in previous Notables, hasn't he? Yes. He was in Lonnie Donegan's uh, band. 1968 in this country, we get the Isle of Wight Festival. Yeah, we're famously. Is that the one? Is it 60? Or is it 68 or 70, the one where they, they encamp, on, where people set fire to things and go up on the hill? And, um, and, the, and isn't it? Just yes, looking nervous now. <laughs> and then, yeah, they break down the fences, and, and there's a lot of brilliant interaction from the stage, isn't it? Like, like one of the organisers is like doing all this great, oh man, you, you're freaking us. The vibes here are not. Johnny Mitchell famously says something like, Why are you behaving like this? You're behaving like animals. I just want to play you my music. And then someone throws a bottle of wee at her or something like that. <laughs> like um, Daphne and Celeste. Yeah, so, it, it, well, Red I. Oh, can I tell you, can I digress briefly to tell you my Reading yeah. Festival story? Yeah, yeah, yeah. One of the first, when I was writing for the NME, they sent me to the Reading Festival. Now, here, this lovely evening we're going to have here, the evening spread before us that we're going to have, lovely music and food and the football and all that. The Reading Festival that I went to in the late 1980s, when I just started writing for the NME, I was a cub reporter for the NME. Oh, my God. It was just... I, 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 I didn't do. I didn't go to Vietnam, obviously, but I imagine it was a bit. It was horrible. It was just horrible. Meatloaf, Bonnie Tyler. Um, I'm not saying particularly anything about the music, but it was just grim. And then a, a, a ritual happens at ten o'clock. All the Hell's Angels from the Tel- Thames Valley descend on the site. So you've got all these kids called Gandalf and Moonchild and things like this, and these Hell's Angels who are off their heads on cheap biker speed. And it's just grim. And I could not stick it any longer. So I said, I'm, I'm off. And um, I, I, we, we were driving back, I seem to remember. And the, the, the main band was Jefferson Starship, formerly Jefferson Airplane. Now, some of you might know that Jefferson Airplane played the infamous Altamont Rock Festival, which you've, have you ever seen the Males and Brothers documentary about? Let, well, let's just say, let's hope we don't get an Altamont style, you know, happening tonight. Eh? Um, <laughs> which, is, which, which is a terrible thing that happens there. And the Stones play. And, but at one point in that, one of the Hells Angels gets up on stage and punches Marty Balin of the Jefferson Airplane in the face. And they carry on playing the set with him lying unconscious on the stage. So I put in my review rather wittily, I thought, because I listened to Radio 1 were covering it live. And I listened to the set as I drove home. And I, and I reviewed it having left. And I put in Grace Slick was at Altamont, so she's not going to be phased by some hippies from Reading. You know what I mean? She, she seemed real terrible. And two weeks later, a letter came into the NME, because that's how letters used to work then, you know, not an email. Two weeks later, a letter came in and said, love Stuart McConaughey's review. Um, one thing, though, Grace Slick left the Jefferson Starship two years ago. <laughs> which, of course, just listening to it on the radio, I didn't know. It was, and there. the editor, and if it any not regular newspaper, that would have got you the sack straight away. But the editor just came to me and said, Oh, hilarious, brilliant. <laughs> As you were. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombus, we've always said our socks, underwear, and t shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombus. 
Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for the award winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Sorry. Yeah, where, where, where was I? <laughs> I was digressing. Isle of Wight Isle of Wight, yeah. Oh, yeah, you were talking about the Isle of Wight Festival. It was in 1970. Over 600,000 people That's descended the on the Isle of Wight. And afterwards, they passed the Isle of Wight Act, which meant that gatherings of no more than 5,000 people could happen. On the Isle of Wight or anywhere? Yeah, that, no, on the Isle <laughs> of Wight, oh, yeah. yeah. In Parliament. Uh, 1969, we get Woodstock. Yep. Also on a dairy farm. Max Yasker's um, farm. Yeah. yeah. The slogans of the local protesters are funny. Stop Maxi's Hippie Music Festival, which is just what it means. <laughs> it? Yeah, can't argue uh, that. Buy No Milk was another one. Lots but, of people holding those placards. I don't know why. Well, maybe they were trying maybe to boycott just, yeah, Maxi's boycott milk. milk. You know, he, was, exactly. he, he, he took a real chance, Max Yasker, didn't he? He's a real cool guy. He yeah. said, come on, let's have this festival. And he wasn't a particular, he wasn't a hippie or anything like that. Yeah. He just thought, hey, these kids should have a festival, yeah. Uh, the governor nearly sent troops to shut it down. Yeah. First Woodstock. Uh, and then 1970, we get Glastonbury, inspired yeah. by all these events. Oh, it was called the Pilton Festival, wasn't it? It was. Uh, but taking it's like a mini timber, Glastonbury, if you've never been. <laughs> Timber's grown, though, hasn't it? It's, it's getting out of hand. It is, yeah. It's like Coachella. It's getting out of hand. Um, there's some really funny footage of Michael Evis. It's BBC footage, but you can get it online. And he's being interviewed by the BBC reporter on the toilets that he's built for the festival. They're kind of, oh, it's like yes. a skeleton of the, of the structure. He's just sitting there, the BBC reporter's sitting next to him on the toilet and asking him why he's doing it. He's quite open and he kind of says, because I'm in debt. And he wanted to clear his overdraft. Yeah. Famously, not many people turned up to the first one. Uh, T-Rex replaced... The Kings. T-Rex replaced the, the Kings at short notice. And apparently, Mark Boland turned up in a huge Cadillac. And, um, and Michael Evis said, like, um, oh, nice car. And, and put his hand on it. And, and Mark Boland was like, don't touch my car, man. <laughs> don't touch my car. And was a real rock star, which you'd expect. But apparently was amazing. Apparently turned in an amazing set. Yeah. yeah. And then festival in the 80s, festivals go a little bit quiet. Yep. Um, and then they come back in a big way in the 90s. They do. We have things like V-Fest pops up, don't we? Creamfields, I guess it was the free party thing that was, yeah. uh, that was an influence on that. Well, I, The rest I see, is pretty much history, really. Well, the thing is, people think that. People think, say, specifically about Glastonbury, that it's been going like forever. But it's, it's not really. The 80s, it was intermittent. I mean, I, there were a couple of legendary 80s Glastonbury's. There was 81 when the headliners were New Order and Hawkwind, yeah. joint headliners, and Barney spends, Barney from New Order spends most of the last 20 minutes of the set lying on the floor because he's drunk a bottle of Perno before they come on stage. <laughs> and you think, know. no, do you know what? I have a sneaking admiration for that because it is so super choreographed now, it is isn't it? Now, yeah. And the lights and everything, which is great, okay. But there is something to be said for Barney lying on the floor while Hawkwind wait to come on, you know. It's a bit more of a memorable story, isn't it? Yeah, and then 86... Michael Evis thinks that 86 is the year Glastonbury changed when the Smiths played. 
and start, it goes from being a hippie thing to an Indian alternative thing. And I think that's right. That's probably the turning point anyway, yeah. Yeah, we're, we're townies really, aren't we? We're not big festival people. We, we do love Timber. We love Timber because we, we, we feel a kinship with Timber yeah, because we've been coming for... How long have we been coming Jeff? here, Jeff? Have we been coming since it began? Yeah, yeah we've been coming to everyone. So, yeah, but we... We, Almost as long as the we go into a funny goes. thing at Glastonbury, don't we, you and I, yeah, where we, so, yeah. when people start going, oh, Dominic's lost his captain's hat, we come all, we go all northern, you know what I mean? <laughs> I think we were the only people eating Donner meat and chips one year, <laughs> with curry sauce on it. So anyway, so our notable <laughs> oh, exception, don't even like we have a notable exception in every podcast, and as we've forgotten to do it again, oh, no. our notable exception can be Timber, which oh, is the no, best fest, Jeff. Jeff's got his head in his hands, Timber, which is obviously the best festival ever. Yeah. And this is the biggest one yet. So that's notable exception, isn't it? Well, you know what? We've just been talking to, we've just been talking to Rachel from the Unthanks backstage and Simon, who's yeah. just been chatting here. And everyone's saying that there's a real... Maybe, maybe I'll save this emotional speech till the end, I think. <laughs> yeah, Let me take you back first you to 1977. 1977, okay. the Voyager Space Programme. So... It's intended to send a probe way out into interstellar space. There have been two before it called Pioneer. Uh, and on the sides of the Pioneer probes, they've put a plaque, a little plaque, saying, you know, we come in peace, and a drawing of a man and a woman, etc., etc. They were naked, weren't they? They were and people naked. people complained about that. They were naked, and mm. people complained about that. What they complained about was the fact they were naked, which is so odd, isn't it? You're worried about offending <laughs> aliens millions of miles away in space. <laughs> Interstellar space. But also what they complained about, rather more perhaps pertinently, is in the images, the man is waving, and the woman has her hands by her side. Feminist campaigners, well, feminist campaigners, women, if that's the word I'm looking for, objected on the grounds that, quite rightly complained on the grounds that it presented the man as the proactive sex, yeah. you know, doing the welcoming while the woman just sat stood by herself. So that was one reason it traded complaints as well. But yes, you're right, that was, that was a pioneer. So in 77, there is this dude, some of you may know him, a guy called Carl Sagan. Carl Sagan, who, when I was a kid, I was obsessed with a TV series called Cosmos. Do you remember on the telly? Or as he put it, Cosmos. Because he used to talk of this really weird. He was like the Brian Cox of his day. Um, yeah. So I was a bit of a nerdy kid, so I was obsessed with James Burke and Carl Sagan, who would take you on a voyage through the galaxy in Cosmos. And he had this idea we should send a record with Voyager. So they made a record. Uh, the, I'm going to refer to my phone in a minute because the exact contents are on my phone in case memory fails me. Um, he said we should send something that tells them about our civilization, mm. if, should it ever be found. So they put on it an example of 55 human languages, beginning with a language called Akkadian, A, which was the first language we find any record of spoken in ancient Sumeria, the cradle of civilization, right up to a, a, a language called Wu, a modern Chinese dialect, or modern then back in 1977, to give the full spread of languages. They also included bird song. Yeah, there's a baby. A, ba a, a mother kissing a baby. A mother kissing a baby. Yeah, uh, that's how it ends. Nick Sagan, Carl Sagan's son, who was then six, saying, Hello, aliens. Lots of music. Lots. Whale recording. Whale, whale music. Whale lots yeah. of music. And brilliantly, lots and lots of music. It isn't Western biased, really. It's lots of music from across the world, from civilizations all across the world. But of course, from my point of view, some of the most interesting stuff is what, what modern or what Western music did they choose to include? Your Bach's, your Mozart's, your Beethoven's. Interestingly, Tim Ferriss, who was one of the producers of the, of the music side of it, he said part of the reason it kind of 
leans towards more Western classical music, they, they included a lot of Bach and a lot of Beethoven, yeah. is because it's very mathematical. And he said that if extraterrestrial beings have their hearing is kind of, you know, different to ours. They hear different frequencies or they can't quite hear music in the way that we can. They might understand mathematics. That right. It felt like that was a more universal language than, interesting. than music. I so guess a Bach, Bach fugue is more universal than Western pop, isn't it? I guess. I remember watching a programme about this when I was a, a kid again. And um, uh, there, was a, there was a guy who used to be one of those public intellectuals used to get. He was on the telly all the time called Bernard Levin. And I remember him saying, I think the sending some Bach is just showing off. <laughs> This idea the aliens would go, oh, our music's not as good as that, is it, Reg? Because you know. um, we wanted to play ourselves down, really, yeah. don't we, in space? Yeah. I mean. They sent the Rite of Spring, yeah. which was, Stravinsky, I guess, the, yeah, as modern yeah. as it got, Stravinsky's mm. Rite of Spring, which we've also done a podcast about. We have, yeah, yeah. The riot at the opening of the Rite of Spring. Let me just see what else they, I've got. Chuck a, Berry was on there, and people complained about that as well. They said putting Chuck Berry on was adolescent. And Carl Sagan brilliantly remarked, there are a lot of adolescents on the planet. Yeah. Uh, which is a great riposte. Yeah. And we are not trying to show simply the culture of the bourgeois elite, if you like, but it's they, supposed to be the culture of all humanity, yeah. They also tried, John Len they tried to get John Lennon to help them compile it, didn't they? they and he did. couldn't do it. They did. Um, he had to leave the country. His reasons are dubious at best. Really? He had I to reason leave the country, apparently, because of tax reasons. Oh, well, he was probably at that time having a lot of trouble with the US yeah, authorities maybe, because yeah. he, he was always getting deported, wasn't he, and trying to get a green card, and he's like that. Yeah, because of Noddy, Nobby... Because of Nobby yeah, Pilcher, Pilcher, who we yeah. talked about in the last podcast. Yeah, <laughs> refer back to that if you don't know. Um, uh, so, yeah, so he instead put them in touch with Jimmy Levine. Who Jimmy was Levine, producer, who, who was, is, who with you might know Jimmy Levine, who is a, a, a big producer, produced Bruce Springsteen, he was a young kid producer then, produced Springsteen, produced a lot of big rock acts, and invented Beats International with Dr. Dre. He did, yeah. So, you know, he's, he's, he's still very much with us, and... Jimmy Carter puts a message on the side. This is a present from a small, distant world, a token of our sounds, our science, our images, our music, our thoughts and our feelings. We are attempting to survive our time so we may live into yours. So, it, yeah, they send it off. It's, on a, it's a copper It's a copper record, Cop isn't it? Yeah, Gold-plated. Gold and with, in aluminium sealed uh, cylinders. It's apparently the, old, the most durable thing we've ever made as a species. Is it? It's That's supposed, amazing. It's supposed to last billion, a billion years. They wow. Predict. Yeah. But Voyager, actually, their generator, the power generator, I mean, it's out in, in literally out in interstellar space. Well, I just, but the generator's going to die in uh, 2030. 2030, the generator yeah. will die, but it will still drift. Yeah, it will. But yeah. It, maybe I'll come back in a minute with it. I'll just. Uh, Blind Willie Johnson, some blues on there, Chuck Berry, Laurie Spiegel, yeah, the electronic composers on, on, which yeah, is brilliant. Yeah, yeah. Azerbaijani folk music. Yeah, Johnny Be Good. They claim that rock music was adolescent. There's also Anne Druan, who was the creative director of the project, an hour's worth of her brainwaves while she thought about things. Yeah. Just all this sort of stuff, yeah, that they thought was... Which is really good. Did Carl Sagan... Did he actually believe in, you know, that there was life Yes. Sagan's... Yeah. Sagan's... Because he was part of the UFO craze in the He's a cool guy, Sagan. Yes, he very much thought that it was... There had to be life. He, he was very much of the opinion that there had to be other sentient life out there in the vastness of space, yeah. yeah. And you're absolutely right. The, the power on Voyager will stop in about 2025, 2030, somewhere around then. But it will still drift. 1990, it left Pluto behind. So it left our solar system behind then. It will next come into contact with a solar system with planets on it in 40,000 years' time. I know. 
crazy. Which is an amazing thought. 40,000 years from now, maybe someone's going to open up yeah. and listen to... Yeah, Laurie Spiegel. Listen to some Laurie Spiegel or Johnny B. Good. Oh, yeah, yeah, Chuck, yeah. Chuck Berry. Uh, the radio waves that come back from it take are travelling at the speed of light, but take 15 hours to reach the Earth. And they've had to increase the dish to... Uh, wow. To I love up. that it's the most... I didn't know that. It's the most durable thing yeah, humankind has ever produced. That's, yeah. that's, that's amazing. In pop culture, it's been referenced a few times. It's in a couple of episodes of Star Trek. It's in an episode of The X-Files. It's in a comedy film from a couple of years ago where two alien fa- uh, to an alien couple called Dawn and Tad find it and stick it on their record player. Steve Martin does a Saturday Night Live uh, sketch, doesn't he, where the aliens find it and then they want more Chuck Berry. The alien, the, Steve Martin plays a psychic who goes, I'm getting the message from the aliens and it's saying, send more Chuck Berry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, so I, I love the thought that right now, in the, in the, in the I, I don't, I'm not a scientist, but the, the, the galactic plasma, I think it's in some kind of, weird nothing state in space at the moment between galaxies and between solar systems but in 40,000 years it will reach the next place and somebody might crack it open and play it yeah do you think they'll like us Uh, I think they'll like a right spring yeah I think they'll go I can't believe they put all this bark and bait oven on it boring yeah They might get here and hear all the modern pop and think, what's this? We wouldn't have travelled all this way. Another piece of modern art that it's referenced in is a play called The Greatest Play in the History of the World by Ian Kershaw, which is a one-person show that he wrote for his partner, Julie Hesmanalch, who will be here on this stage tomorrow doing Wilderness Tracks with TV and radio's Jeff Bird. Notables Jeff Bird. Notables Jeff Bird. But for now... It's been so. It's been so lovely yeah. being in a place like this again. It has, yeah. But that Simon and Becky, uh, Simon and Rachel, I beg your pardon, from the Unthanks were was saying that it's actually quite emotional just to be somewhere with yeah. people, hearing music, listening to people talk, all the stuff, wristbands, plastic glasses, all the stuff you never yeah. thought you'd get romantic about. I know. You know, know. so great. So um, do if you've not already done so, subscribe to Notable, like us, check out the previous seventeen. I'm told and have a fantastic evening and we'll see you about yeah thank you Notable the podcast (laughs) (laughs) planning for your next trip elevate your travel style with Quinn's Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.